I'm going to try and, you're going to have to be with me. And are you okay if we use the Bible a lot today? Are you okay with that? Okay, so if you've got a Bible and you've got it on a device or something, come and follow along with me. We're going to start off in Luke chapter 17, and then I'm going to finish on this chapter as well. Luke 17, verse 11. And today we want to talk about growing into wholeness, growing and becoming a person who who has more than just, I've got a ticket to ride. Remember the Beatles song? Some of you aren't old enough to know the Beatles. You know, you know, we don't just want a ticket to heaven, do we? We want to have more in Jesus. Luke chapter 17. I want to just share some things and just teach you some things from the, uh, the Greek language today. Luke 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. This is bandit country. This is not safe country. Uh, As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, You might have have mercy on us or have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, now this is unusual what he says here because we all think that Jesus came to do away with the Old Testament, do away with everything, but then he said this, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he when he saw that he was healed. Now, the Greek word for healed in this point is iamai. Okay, he's healed. He's physically healed. It's one of the words that the uh, Bible uses for healing. When one of them saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was the Sumerian. And Jesus asked him, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And this is the phrase I want you to pick up today. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you whole. Or your faith has made you well. And the Greek word for made you well is sozo. S-O-Z-O, sozo. It means wholeness. And, and God has a goal for us that we're not just healed, but that we are whole. That everything about us is whole. We're saved, but we may have a way to go. You know, I really admire you Londoners. I don't think we're quite Londoners yet, are we, Kathy? We've lived here a year. We're not really Londoners yet, you know. Come on, darling, we've got the apples and pears and all that, so I don't know. Um, I really admire you London drivers, because London drivers are both awesome and terrifying at the same time. They really are. Uh, you know, and, the, and those like little bikes that, well, no cyclist ever stops at a red light in London, I've noticed that. So London cyclists are just crazy as well. Uh, it's, it's just terrifying. And although all the Nigerians of the house are right now going, London drivers, you should go to Lagos. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but if someone's just passed their test, 
Somebody passed their driving test this week. Legally, they are a driver. They're doing well to have passed their test, especially in London. But are they considered a mature driver? So some, some drivers actually have passed their test, but they're afraid to go on the motorway. Some are not really as good a driver as they're going to do until their confidence comes up, until they can do something. When somebody gets a promotion at work, the day they get the promotion, they're not the most mature person in that role. Or if you become a sergeant, you're not the best sergeant that you could be on the day after you become a sergeant. How many of you know that when you become a Christian, there's more? There's more to press into. Now, we, we need to understand that when you become a Christian, there is so much that is already finished. And one of the important things that we don't need to dismiss, the great things that Jesus has already done for us. Please run over to the book of Colossians with me, chapter 2. And I want to read to you a couple of verses from verse 13 and 15. When you were, it goes like this, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled out the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken it away, nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them over the cross. Ooh, I'm almost breathless reading it, of all the things that Jesus has done for us. He made us alive with him. He's forgiven us. He has taken away our legal indebtedness. You know, the actual things that he can prove you did wrong in a court of law, he says, I'm wiping that clean. And then the demons and the, the oppressions and the powers that were uh, against you have been disarmed and all their power is taken away. We have to remember what Jesus has already done for us. He's done so much. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us that if anybody's in Christ, we're a new creation. Something that wasn't there has now been made new. Something that deep in the fabric of us is, is new. Isn't that amazing that God's done that? In Hebrews chapter 2, it says that those of us who've been held in the power of, of uh, the devil and in, under the fear of death, that Jesus frees us from that. How many of you are still afraid of dying? Don't raise your hand because all the Christians will grab you right now and say you shouldn't be afraid. But it says this. By his death, that he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. It's in Hebrews 2.14. And free those who all their lives have been under the slavery of the fear of death. How many of your work colleagues do you know that are afraid of death? Now, it's not something I'm kind of thinking, looking forward to, but actually Jesus wants to get you to a point where you're just stepping over into his arms. And God's done so much for us. He's given us a new mind. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, it says, you were taught with, reg with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires. So many Christians, you, you know, you're thinking in the old way, thinking in the, in the way of the, the world, but he says, be made new in the attitudes of your minds. You get the ability to have a new mindset. 
and put the old uh, self off. You see, there is so much that God has already done. And one of the great truths of the Christian life is to make sure you know what God has already done in your life and not keep going over it. But as well as that, all the great uh, work that is done, clearly the Bible says that we are to grow. Now when pastors talk about growth, often it can be a pressurized way, but actually we don't mean it in a pressurized way. We say, come on, grow up into the things that God has for you. Go deeper into all the good things that he has. First Peter chapter two, verses two and three, the, the apostle Peter, it's almost like he wants to leave this with the Christians there. And he says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, when you hear somebody say to you, oh, grow up, it's usually a negative thing, isn't it? They're usually saying it from a negative stand, but in a sense, what Peter's saying is, look, it's not negative. Grow up. Grow up into the good things that God has got for you. How many of you want more? There is more for us. And the very last recorded words of the Apostle Peter is found in 2 Peter 3, verse 18. His very last words are, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. To him be the glory for now and forevermore. We are encouraged not to just tick the box and say we're in the camp, but to grow Everybody, turn with me to Hebrews. Come with me to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to look at chapter 5 uh, from verse 13, just in case you're in any doubt whatsoever. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. If, you, if you're not used to the Bible and you're with us as a guest, just it'll be on the screen or just listen, it's fine. The, the people who are flicking through their Bible or their devices, they're just Bible geeks. Don't worry about it. Hebrews chapter 5 Verse 13 says this, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Let's move on to chapter 6. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites or the laying on of hands and the resurrection of dead and the eternal judgment. Don't let's keep on going over those basics, but let's begin now to press on and grow into more wholeness. Can you hear an amen, church? You know, and God permitting, we will do so. Now, the, thing, the series that I'm sharing at the moment is called The Pathway, and it has three phases, rooted, growing, fruitful. And we're going to talk about growing. And as I say, when pastors talk about growing, sometimes it can be a pressure, but it's not that. It's, come on, grow into the good things that God has for you. The Christian life is a combination of, of not undoing what has been done, not allowing the things that God has already placed in your life for you to nullify them, but, uh, but dig into them, put your roots down into them, 
But as well as that, it's, it's a part of growing and practicing what you're asked to do. Because as you do that, you're going to step into more of your kingdom purpose and more of your fruitfulness, practicing and growing in what you're asked to do. The Christian life is about having faith, taking a risk on God, making sure that you're depending on him, receiving strength from him, and being equipped to do things. It's a combination of things. What the Christian life is not is just staying in the same place. Staying in the same place. Now I know you always sit in the same seat. But it's not coming to church and saying, well that's my seat. It's not your seat. That's where I sit. It's moving and growing with him. You see, when God, what God is seeking to do is to ground you into all what coming to Christ means. But as I said earlier, in the New Testament, there's a concept of wholeness. How many of you know you can be healed but not whole? That you can be physically healed but you're not whole, your thinking's the wrong way. In the New Testament, the people who encountered Jesus were, were described by this uh, Greek word called sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. And it means to be whole, to be, to be delivered, healed, and saved, or saved, healed, delivered. You see, sozo means to be saved. In Matthew chapter five, uh, 1, verse 21, it's our Christmas verse, it says, she, she will give birth to a son, and you, were, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will sozo, save people from their sins. God wants you to be whole and saved from the things that you've done wrong. You remember last week or a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the lady who pressed through the crowd and who touched Jesus' hem of his garment. In, Luke, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 21, she said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be sozoed. I'll be healed. I'll be physically healed. And we know it was much more than physical healing with her. You see, sozo also means deliverance from the powers of darkness that may be assailing your mind or placing agendas on you. You don't think it's the powers of darkness, but it's, it's kind of the enemy's going, yeah, you're so right. I can use that opinion. In Luke chapter 8, verse 36, it says this, those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been sozoed, cured, or made whole. This idea of being made whole is really great. So tomorrow when you go to work and, and uh, someone comes to you and says, and you say, how are you doing? And they say, oh, so-so. Say, oh, no, I'm not so-so, I'm so-so. <laughs> Perhaps not say that, it might be a bit unkind, you know, but... It's really important that you understand that God wants you to be whole. Let's, let's go back to Luke chapter 17. The fullness of physical and spiritual healing is where God wants to bring you. He, he wants you to be saved, healed, and delivered. That's what this idea of wholeness means. And the, 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 the 10 lepers, they were all 
in your eye mind. They were all healed physically, but they were not all whole. In fact, there was only one that went back and went back to Jesus for more. The one who came back received the full blessing and full release. You see, there are some people who come to Jesus and say, well, just heal me, then I can get on with what I want to do. Heal me, Jesus, and then I can live my life. But you see, you have to remember, remember when Jesus healed the blind man, it says he healed the blind man and he followed Jesus in the way. And we've got to be, begin to say that, well, God, you've saved me, touched me, delivered me so that I can live your life. And this man who came back, he came back into the fullness of his wholeness. You have to grow into the wholeness that, that God has for you. Many of us quote John 10, verse 10, really uh, in a triumphalist way, where it says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, and then say it with me, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. You see, how many of you want to just in one sense say, well, I I want that full life? Now, when pastors talk about growing, You see, there's an implication that there's a gap there, and nobody likes to feel that there's a gap. None of us like to feel that we have to grow, but can I say it to you in this way? If there's a banquet over there on that table, and there's KFC or other food on it, you know, there are other junk foods, you know, and God's going to say, would you go to my banquet Yeah, you can have that, and it's fine, but come to my banquet. Move further to him. Now, I just want to just teach for a few minutes. Is it okay we do a teaching message today? Is that okay? I want to teach for a few minutes on doorways to moving towards wholeness. I want to talk about opening some doors and closing some doors. Actually, while I was preparing this message, I actually saw in my mind some doors opening and some doors that needed to close. So let me tell you four ideas of how to grow into wholeness. Number one, first of all, you can grow into this idea of sozo wholeness by growing in your relationship and your perception of God. For, For some of us, our God is too small. Or actually, we have a warped view of God. Can I say to the men in the house, you might have had a good dad, I'm sure that you did have a good dad, uh, you know, but you are not your father. And God is not like your father. Now, you may have a brilliant dad, but God even supersedes your dad. And even how brilliant he was. And as father, he wants to let you know how you're loved and how you can grow into your identity and into your purpose. Some of you may have had great parents. Other things, other people may have had a different experience. My dad died when I was really young. And and for me, God was really absent. Some of us need to begin to say, well, God, are you really like that? We need to build a relationship with the, with the Son of God who said he would never leave us, and he's the model of how to live. Do you remember a few, month, a few weeks ago, I was talking about in the 1970s, we had these uh, uh, wristbands, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we need, we need to begin to look at his life and begin to pattern our lives after him and build a bigger 
notion of what God is like. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, the guide, and the comfort, comforter. He can give you strength in every situation. Number one, if you're going to grow into wholeness, we need a bigger concept of what God is like. We need to understand there is a loving Father. There is a passionate Son and an ever-present Holy Spirit. I wonder if your God is too small. Or I wonder if you're not allowing God to be God in your life. That actually, if we looked at the throne room of your heart, that God's actually standing by the side of it going, well, I do want to sit on that throne, but he or she keeps knocking me off it. Number two, if you're going to grow into sozo wholeness and, and be healed, you, in a sense, You have to come to terms with your relational brokenness and understand that forgiveness is is such a key area in the Christian life. And without forgiveness that nothing much else can happen. In fact, we have to begin to let some things go, but more than let it go, we have to change our perception of what that relationship is. Can I read you these words of Jesus? And 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 not that you can make a whole doctrine out of this, but it it just shows you the importance of forgiveness. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said it this way. In chapter Matthew 6, verse 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, don't... Don't take that in one direction, but but just hear this. Forgiveness is really important. In your relationship with God, your relational forgiveness is vital. It's absolutely vital. And no matter how many times you say you've forgiven that person, if you haven't really let them go and released them, then actually they're the ones who are not in the prison, it's you. You're in the prison. And you have to begin to let it go. Do you remember the Frozen film, you know, Frozen? Now, I get to watch Frozen because I'm a grandparent. I don't know what your excuse is, why you're watching it. But have you, have you, heard, have you heard this song? Play, play this song for us, guys. And, um, you know, this lovely princess is going to tell you to do something. Oh, yes. Kingdom of isolation. And it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling. It's like a swirling storm inside. Is that how you feel? I couldn't keep it in. Heaven knows. I tried to keep it in. Don't let them in. You've got to be good. Come on, be good. I'm going to come down and see where all the good girls are. Now they know. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. You've got to let it go. Let it go. Oh, listen to this bit. 
I've let it go, I've let it go. I promise you I've let it go. But the cold didn't ever bother me anyway. Because you know what? I've not really let it go. I've not really let it go. I've said all the words. I've described the problem, but I haven't actually let it go. And put it on the cross of Christ and at the altar of Jesus and said, Jesus, this is so hard. I don't get all my theology from Walt Disney or Pixar. <laughs> but I do remember in Shrek. Remember Shrek? <laughs> I don't know why you're watching it. I've got grandkids. I've got... You remember Shrek? Donkey says to Shrek, talking donkeys, hang on, it's in the Bible. Look it up, look it up. Talking donkeys. Says to Shrek, you're an onion boy. In other words, you've got levels, layers. And in a sense, that's what forgiveness is like. You know, you've got to peel back that first layer and say, I'm, I'm letting this go. And then there might be some deeper healing. And then there might be some deeper healing. But one thing you've got to know is that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you and it can help you to release even the most dangerous things in your life. If you, you, if you want to go to wholeness, even people who are difficult right now, you've got to keep them in a good place. Come on, why don't you just put that person in a good place? Even if you don't understand what they do, just put them in a good place. Put them in the altar of God. Put them where you want them, where you, where, you, where you want them to be, just in front of God's presence. That's how you grow into wholeness. If you're ever going to be growing to sozo wholeness, you've got to be healed by forgiving people, by not allowing relational brokenness to govern your life. Because the person you are not forgiven, they're not in a prison. You are. Let it go. Let it go to Jesus. You can grow into sozo wholeness thirdly by not giving the devil a foothold. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, 27, I'm going to read it several times, but it says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. It's difficult, isn't it, sometimes? And do not give the devil a foothold. You know, we can open the door to bad things, and we can close the door to good things. We can open the door to good things and close the door to bad things. You know, there are times when we have to say, I do not think, and I don't think it's scriptural to say a Christian can be demon-possessed. The Holy Spirit possesses us. He fills us and possesses us. But a, a Christian can be under the influence of the enemy. It can be under the, a stronghold of the enemy and can have a foothold in their lives, a repeated pattern that is inspired by Satan. Fear closes the door to wholeness. Fear opens the door to works of the enemy. It's amazing how many times the Lord says to people, do not fear. Do not allow things to seem bigger or out of God's control. Bitterness closes the door to wholeness. Releasing bitterness opens the door to goodness. In fact, in that passage in Ephesians, it says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully, 
to your neighbor. For we're members of one body. Do not let uh, the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Don't allow something of a, an opinion that goes on and on and on. Grow into uh, the, uh, an opinion whereby you can't think of something else about that person. That's bitterness. Don't allow bitterness to grow in your heart. You've always got to keep a kind of open posture towards everyone. Impurity closes the door to wholeness. You know, Jesus put it this way. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. When pastors talk about sexual issues, it, it often sounds uh, condemnatory, but listen, every one of us needs to be really careful about the things that we see, the things that we allow, because the enemy so much wants to gain a little foothold in your life and change your opinion about either a man or a woman. He wants to gain just a foothold you know, dabbling in the occult. You know, I am so pleased that, that Kensington Temple, we didn't mention Halloween at all. Does anybody watch, anybody watch Strictly Come Dancing? Please don't put your hand up, men or women. You know, but it was a freak show over Halloween, wasn't it? Grotesque. I just think things like that just give, give a foothold, don't they? Into our collective psyche and into our nation. And, and, you know, I can talk about that. It's British culture, but, you know, in lots of other cultures, there are, there are curses and things, and maybe we'll break some of those later on. But there are things that we say from our culture that's not healthy. And we need to understand that dabbling and things like that can open the door. James put it this way, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. Who have you cursed recently? He may not have said, I curse you, but by your attitude or, or the things that you've said about them, you need to be really careful because that opens the door and a foothold to the enemy. See, if we're going to grow into sozo wholeness, you have to grow into wholeness by not allowing this foothold from the enemy to come in. You, you can't be possessed. You're full of the Holy Spirit. He's in your inner chamber of your heart. But the enemy can put a mark on you and, and put a, an opinion on you or put an attitude in your heart. And he can't press that home unless you get rid of it. Fourthly, if you want to grow into sozo wholeness, is you have to confront some old lies and stronghold beliefs that keep you from bring, being free. And, and keep you from opening the door to wholeness. Jesus said it, uh, Paul said it this way to the Philippians, let this attitude be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Fill your mind with the attitudes of Christ. Let, let him be the one that governs your mind. I wonder if we've got some old beliefs in our hearts whereby we think that we'll never, ever, 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 ever be able to do things because of that old belief that's sitting there in your heart. You've got to confront some of those things. 
Come back with me to the 10 lepers. Come back to Luke chapter 17, and let me bring our talk today into land. As we go back to these 10 lepers, I want to see you. You can step into wholeness by seeing the pattern that they did. They, they began to step into wholeness. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come, but everybody stay seated just for a moment. First of all, it says in verse 13 of Luke 17, it says that when they saw Jesus, it says they called over to him and said, Lord, have mercy on us. And if you're going to step into wholeness, you've got to admit your need. Now, we're all Christians, aren't we? we man, many of us are. We've been in the church a long time. And isn't it hard to admit that after you've been a Christian for a while, that you've got a need? Because, you, you know, you'll be thinking to yourself, well, I should have learned this by now. But how many of us know that sometimes some things just keep coming around and we need to learn them? And they shouted out and called out to Jesus, have mercy on us. They admitted their need. When was the last time that you admitted that you need help from Jesus? Or are you set? Are you theologically sound? You don't need any help. You see, you can get used to being a leper. You've got all your ten friends with you, and you know they're all surrounding you, and they're all like you, you're all like them, so why should we change? You know, but when you see Jesus and you see how much he can change you, you call out to him and say, you know what, I need you. Secondly, Jesus didn't just heal them. He said, I want you to go and see the priests. And if you're going to step into wholeness, you've got to commit to be accountable. You've got to, in a sense... When, when they did that obedience step, they could have said, well, why do we need to go and see the priests? Aren't you Jesus? You're the Messiah. I've seen you heal people before. Why can't you just do it here and now? But actually, they said, no, we'll enter this process. We, you've told us to go and see the priests. We don't even like the priests. Actually, the priests have thrown us out of the community because we're not allowed to go into the temple. So this is going to be a bit of a change. I wonder if we have to conquer our fear of rejection. We're going to have to conquer our fear of being out of community. But actually, they committed to that accountability process whereby they had to go and see the priest. And the Bible says, as they were on their way, they were cleansed. I wonder if you're one of those Christians that even though you're in lots of relationships, you're not accountable to anyone. You're actually not in a process. We have to commit to be accountable if we're going to step into wholeness. And then the third thing that happens is, is that it says that the, the leper came back praising God loudly. That actually praising God with a loud voice. That it, it wasn't just, oh, Jesus has done something for me, let me keep it to myself. It was, I am so thankful that I am going public with my praise. You see... If your religion always becomes a private thing, and I'm not saying you need to be exposed in any inappropriate way, but if your religion is not a connected and communal thing, and if your praise is always about you and how you do it, and instead of, I am just so grateful, I am praising you, Lord, your worship will always be stilted. Admit your needs. Become accountable. And worship God. 
And you begin to step into wholeness. But I look at verse 19, and Jesus says this, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, this, this Samaritan? And then he said to him, rise and go, because your faith has made you so-so, whole. As if, fourthly, if you want to be in the process, you've got to go back for more. Church, you've got to be like the 10th leper and say, well, I'm healed. I want to go back for more. Has he got something else for me? I've got some thankfulness to bring to him, but what will happen now? I wonder if you are here today and you could say, I want more. I'm not content with what I've got now. I want some more. Because he's got more purpose, he's got more life, he's got more direction for me. I am sure it's not the case that you're saying, well, you know what? got my ticket to ride. I'm on the way to heaven. I'm just going to cruise it now. I'll attend church as bit as much as I can, be part of a small group, and I'll do a little bit. There's more for you. Amen, church? Amen. There's more for you. Amen. 